It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. Boys, how was your off-season? Did you do anything fun or exciting? Daniel, we'll start with you. Man, it's been a pretty jam-packed summer so far. Just a lot of work in. We got to uh, go to Italy for our one-year anniversary, so that was fun. Did a full tour. I know. Got the, the spicy meatball. No. Um, it was an incredible trip. So, uh, got to go all over probably about a week and a half. Um, basically did all the touristy stuff too. Um, I would say there were some overrated parts and there were some underrated parts of Italy. I know Matt's been before, so he would probably have to attest. There's a few parts I probably wouldn't go back to, but man, there was so much there to love. Absolutely beautiful countryside. Uh, but yeah, ate my weight through the country. That's for sure. So Matt, what about you? Well, nothing that exciting. We did uh, Disney stuff. That's for fun. Disney yeah. stuff. Yeah, it was mostly, uh, you know, it was mostly for the kids. We had a, my wife has a big family and they had a, her cousin got married. So they took the whole family down to Disney and did that for a few couple days. And uh, I couldn't tell you the name of the parks we went to, but, you know, we did some parks, we did some rides. It did a lot. We went to the park that has a lot of food. So, Epcot, that's the best one. Epcot, yeah. So, we ate around, you know, they had like a Germany place, they had like a Japan place. So, we ate my food all the way around the world, which was like the, the part I love the most. So, Epcot's the best place to go to. I mean, like I was talking with Dana when we went for our anniversary, um, it was the best. Loved it. If I can go back to any park in Disney for good, it would Hands be down. Epcot. Magic Kingdom is great for kids the first time. Animal Kingdom is just a giant zoo. <laughs> and uh, what's the other one I'm forgetting? It would um, be MGM oh, or Hollywood, Hollywood Studios. Hollywood Studios, yeah. Which is great, too, for the Star Wars ride. But if you just say, hey, let's go to Disney, I'm going to go to Epcot every single time. It's just awesome. Yeah, I, I'd have to second that. It's like uh, adult Disney, kind of. Not as adult as Universal Studios is, though. Like, that's, that's you know, the whole Harry Potter world thing. If you haven't done that, please go and do that and get some butterbeer and ride uh ride that ride the green guts ride and there's like hagrid's ride so i don't know but uh yeah been a very interesting off season for us but i mean the best part is hockey's back boys like in full swing and how do you feel about it so far start with you matt well i'll tell you the uh, thing i got introduced to just a couple like last week is the beauties of xm radio which happens to have an nhl network uh radio channel so all the way from work to back i'm listening to nhl i was listening to the the caps game on the way over here it's wonderful because usually i'm used to having to be in front of a television to watch hockey and now it's not quite the same but it's better than just sitting in silence on my drive so i can i can hear some people chatting about the game and and what have you so listen to some stats so that's been the biggest news for me as far as the offseason goes so it's it's awesome kyle i'm definitely glad to be back you're talking about the listen to the games on the radio. Have you heard any of the nicknames of the players before? Like, you've always thought about what goes into a nickname? Yeah, I've been seeing some rumors float around with some of these people that look like Wi-Fi passwords and stuff for the last name. I know, uh, what was it, a few years ago we had the uh, uh, the SKJ and Anope uh, from <laughs> SNL became really popular. So 
Yeah, we we have some players in the league that definitely have uh, a few characters in the uh, in the name category there. Yeah, I've always found it interesting. You know, you got these names of people that you know traditionally, if they're not English last names, broadcasters struggle. I know all the time I see people going, "Can you take five seconds to read the pronunciation of the name?" Because these teams actually do come out and say, "Here's how you pronounce their last name for the broadcasters," and you can tell that sometimes they just don't read it. But the Wi-Fi pa- password name is interesting because that's from a Montreal Canadian player whose name is Arbor. And I'm not going to pretend to say his last name. It is spelled X-H-E-K-A-J. I don't know how to Matt, pronounce that. you want to take a step? You, you want to try, Matt? I haven't heard it live. I'm going to say Jay Koch would be my guess. Jay Koch. I've only heard him referred to as Wi-Fi because Just type does. it in Google really quick, Kyle. Let's see what comes up. Maybe we can click the little thing and it'll give us some audio. But yeah, I don't know. I it's it's been uh it's been all over the league trying to get his name right, but I, I don't know. It's uh, people are gonna have to learn it pretty fast because I tell you what, he's a yes. rookie and he come out and fought Zach Cash the other day and handed him his butt. Yes. And this kid like doesn't look like he's a big fighter, but I guess he is. I he manhandled Cassie and so he's gonna be on everybody's radar, not just because of it's his this year is Brady Shea, but it's as far as his spelling of his last name and learning how to say it, but he is gonna be a powerhouse kid. So and and also speaking of the Canadians uh, I have to say, we're only like a week and a half into the season, and I think the best goal of the year has already been had. And that was from Nick Suzuki. He threw in a Pavel Datsuk, just a soft That was ball a shootout, toss. though. Well, yeah, it was a penalty shot. Yeah, I was about to say, it's a penalty shot, so... Uh, it still counts. Uh, that's going to be the best goal all year. I don't care what Connor McDavid's got, anybody's other flukes. I don't care who's that little... Dorky kid for, did the Michigan the Michigan last year. Zegris. No, no. I, I did love the cheekiness of that. Just that chip. Yeah. It, it, he just gets him to drop down just enough, and you just chipping it it's over. A classic, it's a baby. classic. It's a Pavel Datsuk trademark goal. It's not going to be any better one scored. Kyle, we're hitting the first year, the first week of the season off right, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Well, then let's also talk about Alexander Ovechkin. You know, we're just new into the season. He's already got two goals. He's at 782. He's uh, right behind Gordie Howe at 801, and Gretzky's at uh, 894. Do you think he can possibly... Yes, I see your jersey. Do you think he could possibly <laughs> reach uh, Gretzky's goal this year, or will it be another year? He's not going to reach Gretzky's goal. You'd have to score like 100. You meant Howe's goal. So, well, yeah. Howe's, I know he's going to reach. Yeah, he. I, I think he passes, he passes Howe. This year, probably barring any injuries. Now we say that every year, and Alexander Ovechkin somehow is just immune to long-term injuries, and it's been one staple of his career. Is he's been relatively healthy. You got to think about like these players that are setting all these all-time records had to be fairly healthy. You think of people that are setting like the Ironman record. Uh, isn't Phil Kessel like yep. tying yep. it tonight? Yep. Has he done that already? It was anyway. on Monday. Yep. So he's going to tie that tonight, and it's an unbelievable amount of games like i can't even fathom not being sick at one point in time you know what i mean like it's just an incredible streak so uh for ov i I definitely think he hits uh gordy's this year and then of course with his uh longer term extension on his contract you know we're gonna watch it the last few years as it gets closer and closer to uh to gretzky and i think he eventually does pass him just by a little bit i think he hits like 900 and then he'll probably be done well i'll tell you there must be some secret sauce uh we've talked about phil kessel's streak and if 
and you guys who don't know, you should take a look at Phil Kessel. He's not the most in fit athlete there ever was. Uh, he is the guy who famously, when he won the cup, filled his cup, Stanley Cup with hot dogs. And uh, I had that sticker on my locker of my love him. He's kind of a kind of a bigger fellow. So it makes you think, what is really the body of an athlete? If you got a guy who looks like this, who doesn't have washboard abs, but yet has the longest longevity in NHL history, there might be something to be said about having a little extra meat on your bones. Well, Matt, you like baseball. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of dad oh, sure. there's plenty of dad bods in baseball okay i mean have you seen some of those designated hitters i oh, mean i oh, remember yes. like panda like pablo like those are some big dudes back in the day like hitting and by the time they got to first it was time to call <laughs> in the pinch runner you know i mean like yeah. they're there to do a purpose hit do a specialty hit try to get a homer but if they happen to get on base for sure they're getting that pinch runner like there's plenty of athletes that are getting paid million that you know, are a little bit more rounder than yeah. others. I'll so there's like hope that. for you, Kyle. That's a little cold. <laughs> He's too short. <laughs> but two for two. <laughs> well, then we're going to change topics. I'm getting made fun of here. So let's talk about some surprising starts for the season. Name me two teams which you did not think were going to have great starts to the season. And I'm going to flip over here to Matt because we got your Red Wings jersey on. Your team has went 3-0 and 2 so far to start the season. Are the Red Wings back? They are back, baby. They've never been stronger. <laughs> We're going to have a great year. We haven't even lost in regulation yet all year. You can look for that streak to continue the whole season, Kyle. Let's take that screenshot and see where it is at the end of the year, and let's just clip that as a short oh. and put it on YouTube later, and then we'll we'll see where that's at because it is very early in the season. But I will say, great start for the Red Wings. That was a surprise. I, You know, I'm almost going to say – from the get-go, I'm not as surprised of the of, about the Red Wings over the Sabres start because the Red Wings were drastically improved this year. I, they drafted so well. They've been building. You have all the young upstart rookies from last season carrying over, especially on defense. I mean, you got your boy. He, he's gonna Carter, he's yeah. got another year underneath his belt. So I, I'm not too surprised with the Red Wings. I thought they were going to be way more competitive this year. They are. The Sabres were in the dump, okay? I don't know how they are 4-1 and one to start the season, but they are by some miracle, but I do not think that is going to be the lasting trend throughout the year. Definitely the Red Wings would finish way higher than the Sabres. I think this is just a fluke. It just is what it is, so. You know, if you keep talking like this, we might have to slide you over a Red Wings jersey. You sound like you're getting on the bandwagon. No, I'm just a realist. No, no, there's no no bandwagon over here. Like I said, it's just a realist. I was going through making the notes for today, and I was like, huh. Red Wings are like one of four teams that don't have a regulation loss so far. Just was not seeing it. And you know what I think part of the secret is? The reverse retro jerseys. They came out. I think the Red Wings saw that and said that's part of the secret sauce. And I know you're mocking me over here, but look. Look at the picture that I got up here for the uh, jerseys. What do you think about these guys? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay. Well, first of all, I love Florida's, the Panthers. That That is smoking. Fresh. I, I, I think that's just very original, unique. I love the Bruins, going back with the Bear, the old school Bear. I love that. Um, Detroit's, I like. But my problem is that it's so similar to Chicago's that it's just like yeah. kind of like, I, I don't really understand why Adidas didn't look at those two beside each other and say, you know, maybe we should change something up because those look like 
almost the same jersey, just slightly altered. Uh, the Vegas jersey is smoking because it's got glow-in-the-dark threads. I don't know if you saw that. So it actually glows in... It's supposed to mimic the neon yeah. of the strip, which I thought was pretty uh, unique. Um, I think some of the other standouts that I kind of liked... Uh, Colorado, they've had that one before. Eh. Uh, the Wilds is always solid. I do... Okay. The Preds. Let, let's, let me just drop it. It looks like trash. No, I, I don't hate it. Okay. I love the logo. And I've seen a lot of other people online love this jersey. Yeah, and I, like I, lo- I love the logo because it's that nostalgic, uh, you know, saber cat logo. You're bringing back the mustard cat, but everybody was making fun of it because, you know, that was spicy mustard. Now we're at French's <laughs> mustard. Okay. But the only problem is everyone still wants a Navy jersey. Everyone still wants a Navy jersey, and Adidas messed up so bad on the Stadium Series jersey that they have to release a statement trying to explain it to even the home folk, and no one really, really liked that Navy jersey. So this was their chance to give me a Navy jersey with that logo and then still have some of the silver accents, too. Because if you've noticed, too, the the sleeves have that silver coming up, which is awesome. And one of the things that we've been wanting, but it's just still gold. And they just went into, they leaned into it again because that's their branding. And I get it. I get it. I I like it, but it could have been like a home run if they would have given me a Navy base with this, just a little bit of gold accent. And then that old school logo with the silver on the arms, I, I would have been losing my mind. Yeah, especially if you're going to do the old school logo. I mean, why not just bring the full retro to make that navy blue come back? You've had you've had gold for so long. I mean, yeah, sure, it's your branding, but the the kids want something new. We talked somebody I was talking with the other day about how Oregon State football, the yep. owner is like Nike guy. So, they have like 20 different jerseys to choose from. And you can't act like they're branding. Oh, they don't know what jersey they are. Well, it's it's really cool to have something fresh and unique and pops. So why not just do that? With you have a chance here. It's not even like your real regular season jersey. It's just a retro. It's something one off. Why don't you make it a unique, fun experience that not only just nods to the retro, but actually gives you something different as far as a color palette choice? So I think that would make it more dynamic and interesting. What are what are some of your favorites? on this list like if you had some standouts what which ones do you like love the classic buffalo sabers yes love it i also love the old school washington capitals jersey i agree with you on that that's a good washington oh uh did you see the back of the tampa bay jerseys uh did you see the lettering so it's Mm. like the old school like like lightning bolt font. Oh, I saw like that. Very nineties. I was like, that's pretty cool. I like the I like the back of their jersey better than the front, ironically enough. So I just throwing that in there. I like I like the Islanders jersey. That's a cool logo. That's pretty unique. And uh the Kings retro with the crown is yeah, awesome. With the purple. For myself, I like the Capitals. I love the New York Rangers Lady Liberty jersey. I would buy that one if I could. And man, I thought maybe you would like the old school Kachina jersey. Love it. I saw that and I was like, that's a Matt jersey right there. Um, one of the confusing ones for me was the Oilers jersey. Like, you look at that and that doesn't scream Oilers. So I was like, I had to go look and see who that was. Yeah, that was weird. And awesome. then the, um, who else? I don't the, like the Sharks. The Sharks is okay. It looks kind of... um. The Canes looks like... Basket, the Sharks look like a basketball-ish 
basketball-ish, I should say. Yeah. The Canes looks like something they've already done before with their current one. Um, and the Islanders Fisherman's looks good too. And I heard that I heard that retro jersey caused a huge debate among some Islander fans about some because okay, because this was during the time when the Islanders were like a dynasty and they hadn't, you know, cups everywhere. Yeah. And apparently some of the older fans were accused of gatekeeping, saying that the younger fans could not appreciate the Islander fisherman for what it was because it would represent that dynasty era and there was just like a whole lot of controversy there about that you're definitely not going to appreciate it if you keep like you say if you gatekeep it away from the young people being able to be brought in on like an inside joke from what really is the heritage of the team that's that's an excellent way to cue in a young fan base and connect them with an old generation that's that's an outstanding move and i will say the last comment i have on it is the blues jersey looks like it could be a Preds jersey that's, if you just caught the tail end of it. That's also what I was going to say, too, because it's like, it, it's with the same thing with the Chicago Red Wings situation. Like, if you knew that another team was going to go that hard in the paint with the gold, then why not give us the navy? Because if you're looking around, I mean, obviously blue's a more popular color, but a, a navy base would have stood out in this mix. There's a lot of powder blues. There's a lot of electric blues. The only one that I would say is close to navy blue would be, I guess, kind of the the capitals, correct? I don't know how dark that There's is. There's just black. There's just black. So, anyway, just saying. I'm just saying Adidas. This is the last year for Adidas, right? Aren't we getting a new... I hope so. I think we're getting a new... Um, brand sponsor next year I, I for the I NHL, do. but they haven't announced it yet. I don't... I'm hoping CCM. I would love CCM to, to pick it up, but that's just me. I, I'll get it eventually. Eventually, one of these design companies is going to get it right, but apparently Adidas just didn't want to do it. So. And I think with all talk of the jerseys, this is a good segue. I know, Matt, you're going to give me some crap about that later. A good segue into our golden topic, pun intended, the night, which is the National Predators. So we talked about our offseason plans. And it looks like they had a pretty good offseason as well. So the big thing we wanted to do was sign Philip Forsberg. And we did. Eight years at $8.5 million, which is fantastic. Then we turned around, and shocker, we signed Nino Niederreiter from Carolina, which I didn't see that coming at all, for two years at $4 million. We got two-time Tampa Bay champion Ryan McDonough for four years at six point two five. We re-signed Yakov Trenin for two years at $1.7 million. And we signed a new goalie of Kevin Lincoln, and I did not get his exact uh, stuff down, but he came on because we lost David Riddick and we lost Connor Ingram to, um, I believe it was Coyotes. So good offseason, not talking about the product on the ice so far, talking about just the offseason acquisitions. What do you think? Daniel, we'll start with you. I think the offseason was exactly what everyone was wanting. Um, we can go over the people that aren't returning here in a few minutes. Um, but we got rid of a lot of dead weight, a lot of traffic cones that we were yelling at a whole lot last season. You were able to finally sign Forsberg. The Nino one was kind of shocking at the price. Uh, four mil, very shocking. That was a bargain. And he's he came out of the gate strong, too, in the Global Series. I think he's going to do very well for the Preds this year. Uh, Ryan McDonough, that was a good acquisition just because we needed a little bit more on defense. Uh, it, there was at times, too, it felt like we were getting torched and needed a little bit more veteran presence. So we went out and got him. That's great. Um, Sign in Yak. That was obviously needed. And I think we went to arbitration on that. Did we not? I think we did. Correct. 
correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, we did settle at that 1.7 million. And then the Lycanin thing was kind of like, that was the weird one because at the time we still had Connor. So we had like four legit goaltenders going into camp. I mean, it was, it was tough. And, um, because we have Askarov too in the mix this year, who's also now in Milwaukee getting tons of really good reps. And they said he looked incredible during camp too, which is a great sign because he's super young. So it was kind of an awkward situation because we had all these goaltenders playing well. And then that left Connor kind of like the odd man out. And then we had to put him on waivers and the Coyotes picked him up, which I was happy for him to get immediately picked up so he can get his ice time. Well, he got picked up because he had that amazing, uh, fill-in for Yuceros throughout the playoffs. I mean, I re- saw that and I was like, yep, that's playoff money right there. got him to that. So, Matt, what do you think about all of this? Yeah, I agree. I love, always love getting veteran players like Niederreiter and McDonough. I have a high respect for McDonough. Um, if you look at the price for Forsberg, I can't remember exactly. I have a short-term memory. I can't remember what we were debating, what we thought he would come in at. I think we were discussing eight and a half. Daniel was maybe coming in on the high end of maybe nine. So I think we got him at kind of the price we were looking for. I think the deal was, I think maybe he was wanting nine or slightly higher, maybe 9.25. But the deal was you come off the price sum and we'll give you term, which is eight years, which you know me, I don't love the term. So eight years is much, a bit much for me, but you know he's still a, a fairly young player. It should pan out okay. It'll only burn you in the last two or three, if it ever will. Well, with the recent news about the cap increasing as much as it is going to, that looks like a better deal now than it originally does on paper, especially now that we have most of our big players signed for long term. The cap, if it continues to increase, like they're saying, like I think it was like up to four million for one year. That's so, that's if the escrow is paid. If the escrow gets paid, so if they can do that, and then that cap increases, and we already have all of ours locked in for a long term, that's going to look really good down the road. Um, and at the time, Poyle didn't know that. No one knew that, not even the agents. So that wasn't even like a bargaining that, oh, well, you know, it's going to be going up so you can have more room. So that kind of worked out in favor for the owners if you were able to lock in that long-term deal. Um, but, well, I mean, some of the other things that are notable too is um, we've had a few people get, well, we had one person get slightly demoted this year. And then we also had some others get promoted into Milwaukee. So we kind of have to not gloss over the fact that Philip Tomasino is not starting the year with the Preds, which is kind of interesting over some other people that are in the lineup right now. Well, do you think people are overreacting about Tomasino starting in Milwaukee? Because we'll get into this later about the Preds are having a slow start to the season. Some people are calling saying, bring Tomasino back up immediately. Do you think it would help at all? No, he's such a... He really isn't wasn't a staple last year. Like it's not a big deal. You're splitting hairs. You're still in the, in the first of the season two, the first month or two, but especially before like Thanksgiving break. This is all just a feeling out period. I mean, it, it's very known the Preds as many as as well as other teams are very fluid in the roster to start. Well, if you think about it too, you know he didn't have the greatest training camp. He he squeaked in last year making the team. Um, right now he's getting top line in Milwaukee, all the playtime he deserves. He gets all the power play. He gets to work on some of those areas that he keeps just pushing the puck too much. He's a little too loose on everything. Milwaukee's very good at discipline and like honing in their skills there for that. You've seen that even Forsberg got sent back down at one point in his career. And the same thing happened. 
So I don't think it's a big deal. There were some other people that I'm kind of like, eh, I don't really understand why they're on the lineup over Tomasino, but I'm okay with him getting some play time. You also promote Luke uh, Evangelista, who was lighting it up, lighting it up in the OHL. Oh, hold on, so hold on, hold on. That no-name person that Matt, Matt didn't know last year. Because don't, be, don't, don't be giving these little signs of a greeting over here. You didn't even know who he was this afternoon. I, I, I've been... <laughs> talking about this kid for two years and then finally matt last season was like who's this kid he's putting up like 98 points in the ohl what are we what's going on he literally was like number one in goals yeah, he had like 50 something goals that was my joke before this before the episode i was trying to uh, i saw his name on the list and my goal was to try to say his name before daniel so i could get credit for like it was my idea no <laughs> no it has definitely been my stick for the last two years and finally he is in Milwaukee getting top line. I think if I believe it was with Tomasino. So um, that's going to be great for him to develop. They said he also had a really good chance. He he was borderline making the team too this year. So um, for both of them, I think it's just a development period. And if they need to tap into them at any point, it's fine. Like they can, they can bring them up at any point. They can drop some of these other people down and, that just is what it is. So uh, I'm happy that they're they're getting the uh, the ice time that they deserve on the top line, and then just refining their skills a little bit. So about the people who got sent down. So you got Nick Cousin left our team, went to the Panthers. Ben Harper is now a understood oh, free agent. Thank God. Connor Ingram, of course, went to um, Coyotes. David Riddick goes to the Jets. Jeremy Davis goes to the Sabers. Luke Cunning goes to the Sharks. Matthew Olivier, which I thought we would have actually kept for another season, uh, is now with the Blue Jackets. Uh, Matt Benning is with the Sharks. Matt Tennyson is with the Firebirds, who are the AHL team for the Kraken. Felipe Myers is now with the AHL Eagles, which is the AHL team for the Avalanche. And then poor Rocco Grimaldi finally got tired of everything that was going on in Milwaukee and the Preds and now is with the San Diego San Diego Goals, which is the AHL team for the Ducks. And I really kind of hope Grimaldi finds it again because I he did good in our team, but he just got outpaced in every category here. Yeah, so just run quickly going through the list. Nick Cousins wasn't doing anything. He was dead weight. We had to get rid of him for cap space reasons. Harpour was my new Alexi M1, and he's gone. So thank God. So that cheered up a little bit of the bottom three. The one that kind of hurts on this list is Jeremy uh, Davies, just because we were pretty high on him going in, you know, on certain things, but having to get rid of him was kind of like, eh, Matt Benning could care less. Uh, Trenson, no, don't care. Uh, the, the Myers trade's looking really good now because that was part of the trade to, okay, like this is a crazy circle if you think about it. So we traded Ryan Ellis for Myers to c- clear cap space. Remember all that? And everybody was freaking out because we got rid of Ellis, which Ellis isn't even playing right now and probably out for, we haven't even touched that. That wasn't even in our notes, but he might literally be done. His career might be done because he has an inoperable area in his back that is literally like prohibiting him from even functioning in day to day activities like in life. So that's crazy. So we trade him, get Philip, then we end up flipping Philip over in part of the trade to get McDonough for the signing, correct? So, like, yeah, we ended up winning that trade eventually in the end because we ended up with McDonough and we got rid of cap space and Ryan Ellis, who literally cannot even play right now. And Philip Myers is now down in the AHL. So, 
for whatever that's worth, whatever. And then Rocco, poor Rocco, he went out for a professional tryout to the Ducks, and now he's on their AHL team. So I, I don't understand why he can't find a roster spot, even in like some of the worst teams in the league. Um, you know, I, I feel like the bottom six, he could slot in somewhere, but I don't know. Well, overall, I'm feeling pretty good about where the roster sits, at least to start. Uh, something I'm not feeling so well about is how the Preds have played to start. That is true. They have not done very well. So, I mean, if you've not kept track of the team, we only have two wins in our book, and it wasn't even on this continent. It was in Europe, and it's it's crazy. So, yeah, two games in, they win. We're looking great. Sweep of the Sharks looks good. We get back. First game, eh, it's okay. Jet lags. You know, it'll get you. Second game comes in. I believe that's when you and I went to, Daniel, which was the Kings. And kid you not, Matt, I'm going to tell you what happened here. We're setting in 303. Birds are up 3-1. to one. We got nine minutes left. Daniel looks over at me and says, I think we got this. I think we're going to do good. And I said... That is not my I, exact I, I, words. Hold on. Close wow. enough. Close oh, enough. Oh, yeah. And I said, look, I said, don't say anything yet because we still got about eight and a half minutes. And they turn around, make it 3-2. Okay, now we got a game. And then we get a few more minutes in, and we get tied 3-3. Okay. So then we hold hands and get a win. <laughs> well, how many penalties did we take that uh, game? Like too 10. many. It was 10 penalties or something ridiculous. It was like, like what were we doing? Like, I, I'm surprised we didn't lose the game like 10-1 to because it was like they only had one power play goal. Yeah, like, that's a trend that I don't see the Preds break, and they were number one in penalty minutes last year. I bet they're number one again this year. Uh, penalty minutes this year so far, they are. Yeah. Oh, they they have to be by far. Uh, uh, oh, actually, look right here. Preds lead with 88 penalty minutes. They average six penalties a game. Yeah, that hurts. Like, you're not going to be able to, to sustain that's that like, long. Like, your pay, like, our PK has actually been halfway decent, but... Still, that's you're like playing one with fire. and a half goals yeah. per game. Yeah, you're playing with fire, and you're just giving it away. And then that third period, they just, I, for whatever reason, they cannot close out the third period. They've they've had the lead going into the third period several of the last games, and they just could not close it out for whatever reason. I, I don't know if it's just like they're still hungover, but at this point, they should be recovered. Like, And the next game, we've had like five days off. So I don't want to hear no jet lag excuse for the next game well then that begs the question we've just we discussed what is kind of wrong penalties talk about the power play we got to fix it we are 26 we have had 29 power plays and scored two goals on 29 power plays now i've seen oh my god twitter have its little freak out moments because you know i don't even go to facebook anymore because twitter's getting to the point now i can see as a real-time reaction and there's one or two or three view counts out there that if you listen you know who you are that you're doom and gloom about everything, but the power play, I agree with you, needs to be fixed. So we've got Duchesne, we've got Forsberg, we've got Nina Ryder, we've got Johansson, we got you know a great power play one unit, a pretty decent power play two unit, and we just can't seem to close it out. I'm going to ask you this, Matt, since you like to call yourself Coach Matt when it comes down to hockey stuff, what would you do to fix this power play? Well, if, if we had that answer, we'd be in a much different spot. Uh, to me, you know, I'm a huge stickler for penalties. I like being tough, and Nashville has that grit and determination, and that's a nice brand of hockey to have, but it costs you ball games. Like we said, if you guys have six penalties per game and an average team is like 25% power play 
conversion ratio. You're talking you're losing one to two goals per game just in the penalties you take. And as you know, the margin of error in hockey is so it's so low that you can't afford that unless you're like a powerhouse dynamic offensive team, which you guys are not. So the first question is how to stay out of the box, at least to be even strength, because the game is won or lost on special teams. So if you guys can just stay five on five, that's great. Now talking about how to score on special teams is a whole different story, but I think you have to learn how to even keep, just learn how to keep five guys on the ice, and then we can talk about scoring. So for me, the power play, they're they're being too fancy right now. Like there's way too much, like they're trying to get the perfect goal, and it's not possible. Like it, it it's not a thing. Like, I understand you're trying to go, like, tic-tac-toe every single time, and it's a wide-open net on the back post. That, like, rarely happens, okay? So, they're passing up on good, high-quality shots that they should just be taking. I mean, we saw I don't know how many times. So, also, they're taking a ton of penalties on the power play, too. So, you want to derail your power play? Take a penalty, and then we're going to go right back to four-on-four, and then they're going to have a power play at the end of it. That's, I don't know how many times that's happened this year. Duchesne has been horrible at taking penalties this year. I don't know if you've noticed that, but especially on the power play, he just keeps on, keeps on taking them. And I, I, it's just mind boggling to me. And they're like, they're really stupid penalties too. Like reaching out with your stick or a slash on the hand. Like you didn't have to do that. Like you're just being over aggressive you're, you're gripping your stick too tight. You're overthinking everything. Just make the passes. Take the shot if you have to. It doesn't have to be perfect. And, like, for the love, just don't take those penalties. Because, I mean, we've played teams that have low power play percentages, okay? Like, if you go back and look, like, the Kings are only operating at 15%. What happens when you start getting to teams that are actually operating good? Like, the Lightning or, like, Colorado. Do you know what Colorado's power play percentage is right now? 52.9%. Wow. Okay, like, that's not good. Like, you do not need to take penalties. The Wild are at 36, the Oilers are at 35, and the Stars are at 35. Yeah, I think it goes back to also being really disciplined enough to know when you're allowed to take penalties. So, if it's first period, sure, maybe take a couple. If it's third period and the game's tight, you got to have discipline enough to not do it. And people like Duchesne taking penalties probably needs to not happen. I'm okay with people like Warbieski taking penalties, fighting majors and stuff like that because that's your brand. But sloppy trippings and things like that, those can be done away with, especially in critical moments when you're like in a one-goal game. Well, how many goals did Duchesne have last year? And if you're not scoring those goals, if you're sitting in the box, like, I'm sorry, like, I saw a, a thing today that said, like, expected goals, and Yossi and Duchesne were way on, low on that list. They were, like, negative. And th- that's the thing is this year, they've been taking penalties. They've been messing up. They're just – they are not clicked in yet. And w- once again, I'm not saying this like it's the end of the world. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before. The Preds off to a slow start. How many years have we started this podcast off saying the same exact thing and somehow – some way, like, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They go on a run. They always go on one around, like, Thanksgiving, I feel like, and then after the All-Star break. They just always start slow. Soros actually starts slow, too. Somebody pointed that out the other night. The stats are there to back it up. Like, his first couple games, he has to get in a rhythm, and then all of a sudden, like, 
the switch flips and he's a Vesna finalist. You know what I mean? It's just, it's a very weird thing with this team. I've always thought they're a streaky team, um, which is dangerous when you get to the playoffs because they can make a playoff run at any given time because they get hot and they get really hot and they're the best team in the league for a very small period of time. And then that's it. Then they burn out. So I, I don't know. I don't know how you fix it, but that third period Hines has got to figure out some way to just rein them in, stop taking penalties, and just hold the fort down. Because last season, we weren't giving up those leads. That was the difference. Is last year, for some reason, we we would get that lead, we would play a really tight game. One goal, I don't know how many one-goal games we had, but they were very tight, but we were able to keep that lead. Where this year, it just falls apart. Yeah, that's a kind of an interesting dynamic because as you mentioned, the previous years, it's always, we have not only a, a slow start to the season, but a slow first period. Like the Preds don't play the first period. So they get they get beat up in the first period, go down a goal or two, and then they're having to dig themselves out of a hole. So it's at least different this year that we're looking at, well, we're getting out in the gate, starting good in the first period. Now we're losing it in the end of the game. So I think that there could be a mentality change with the boys. Maybe it's like we're overexerting ourselves, trying to be too aggressive, or the opposite. Maybe they're turtling and and not playing correctly how they should. And I I think it's like a mentality aspect. Something in the third period is changing them mentally to where they think they have to lock it down or play a different way, and it's throwing them off the mojo. Well, then let's talk about Heinz real quick, Neil, since you brought it up. So, as always, per the course, and Preds have a losing season so far, as Daniel said, not the end of the world, but there are people out there already that are calling for uh, Heinz's head. They're calling for GMGP's head, which, you know, by the way, speaking of GMGP, it's 3,000 games as an NHL GM. No other GM has done that. But some people said it's not a good enough accomplishment because he doesn't have a Stanley Cup trophy next to his name. Which, <laughs> oh, get a bit off of 3, it. 3,000 games? I mean, that's a long time. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't care about the hardware. That That's a lot. Like, that man has been a professional doing 3,000 games. I, I, I don't. Yeah, whatever. People get over it. You can't it. please everybody, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. Welcome to freaking Twitter. <laughs> I know, right? Soon it'll be dangerous to get on Preds Twitter, not just Preds Facebook. But do you need to talk about it? Everyone's kind of having the... Um, people forget. Well, I should say, they look at Rose tinted glasses about Laviette. Great coach. Did very well. I think at some point he lost the room a little bit. But now that Hines is our coach, people are starting to pine even more for the good old days of Laviette or even Barry Trotz. And there was that was that rumor over the summer that he was going to be like moving back to Nashville and people yeah. were like calling does, for he, him to be the GM or coach. He's got a house, but whatever. Okay. Uh, uh, here's the deal. So all the people that were super happy when the Preds happened to make the playoffs last year during a rebuild with a very young team. That's the same coach that is coaching the same system that we're using this year. So I'm going to argue it's not the system at this point because we're using the same system. Literally nothing has changed other than the mentality, which Matt has already pointed out, um, with the Preds and in the locker room. And you still have people that are still trying to figure it out and get in the rhythm. Yossi, Duchesne, Soros. So... I'm sorry, like we're so we're so soon in the season that you can't be calling for people to get fired and stuff. Like I understand that a shift needs to happen, but 
we are far from firing anyone at this point, especially given the success that Heinz has had with a very weak roster. I think this year the roster is definitely even more improved. You just got to get it to gel and start clicking. That's all I'm going to say. It's the same system as last year, and everybody was super excited when we made the playoffs. I think you're locked into Heinz for at least two to three more years, like without question. And then we can have a discussion about it based on performance. But you just signed him like freaking last year. Like you're going to be locked into him. There's no backing out of this deal right away. We're still in the honeymoon phase here. So without even looking, don't even look at your nose. Who is leading the Preds right now in points? Who, who, would, you, who would you assume is leading the Preds in points? The other team? No, 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 no. Like stat-wise, like how many points does – our leader, like the most I, points I right mean, now. you would think Forsberg, Duchesne, and Yossi, but I'm going to guess it's probably some random guy. So th- this is interesting. Yossi is not even in the top five right now, which is one of the reasons, I think, for the slow start. Because last year, I mean, you're talking like he carried the team on his back. Granlin actually has six points and leads the team, which is not super surprising because he is the assist machine, which I don't know if you saw that sweet, saucy dish to Forsberg the other night at the Kings game. It was a no look. That's some good stuff right there. But interesting to note, Nino is actually second on the team. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go. At four million. On the bandwagon. I I love that that sweet $4 million price tag, and he already has four goals. That's what I'm talking he's about. He's been because he's been averaging what? Uh, can you pull up his like NHL stats like per season? Because I think the last couple he's been at like 20 goals. He's he's been kind of like the uh, the James Neal or, or sorry the Craig Smith, <laughs> the 20 goal Craig Smith, uh, the Craig Nog of the league for the past couple years. Uh, you'll have to find it out. Um, I don't know. Does Cap Friendly do? Not or, stats. Uh, okay. Yeah, they do stats. Okay. I didn't know if they did by year. When do they do stats? Uh, I guess since Kyle's showing us some wow. new stuff. Yeah, look at this. Okay. okay. So how many goals? The last, I feel like it's been around 20. So last year he had 24 goals, yeah. and then he had four goals in the four goals this year, but 24 last year. 24. That was a up year for him, I feel like. Yeah, because he, yeah. The year before he was at 20, then 11. So he's, in, he's increasing his goals even more every year. Okay. Yeah, and then back when he was with the Wild, it looks like 20... 25, 18, 24. So he averages about 20 goals a year. I think for $4 million, that's a steal for that type of player. And he's already got four goals this year for us, and he looks very motivated. He was very excited to come to Nashville. He was coming from a hot market anyways, Carolina. So he wanted, I think he wanted something similar, like kind of non-traditional, likes rowdy fans. Carolina fits the bill. Carolina is very similar, I feel like, to Nashville in many ways. On traditional hockey market. Yeah, so like he didn't have to move far, comes over here. He's been motivated about five points. You got to be super excited about that out the gate. So like you just need to get some of your traditionals going. Like just let's get Saros clicked in, get Yossi going. I I think we'll be fine. You just – Yes, you don't want to st- like you don't want to start off like this because we talk about it every year. You're digging yourself a hole that you might not be able to come out to towards the end of the year because the central comes down to the last week. I don't know how it happens every, every time. single time we talk about it. It's literally the last game matters if you're going to make the playoffs or you're a third seed. That's how it was last year. So, you know, don't dig yourself too much of a hole. Don't overthink. Just take a break. Start figuring it out. Get everything clicking, and I think everyone's going to be just fine. Just, just take a deep breath and just hoosah. 
Preds Twitter. That was just for you, Preds Twitter. That was very inspirational. I feel better even now. What do you think, Matt? Oh, definitely. It's going to help. Give it a week. We'll see. Yeah, and then they're going to be wanting to burn. They'll have like all the dumpster fire gifts out. That'll be that'll be Twitter and Facebook probably within a week if we lose one more game. So uh, if we lose Thursday, you know it's going to be a thing. But take a break from the Preds real quick. Let's talk about Arizona. The airplane in the great stadium of Arizona State <laughs> University. I'm looking here at their schedule. They don't play their first home game at ASU until the 28th versus Winnipeg in a place that only seats 5,000 people. And I think I told you this, Matt, and I don't know if I said something to you, Daniel. I would almost say luck would make it that they have a killer year and make the playoffs. Could you imagine this team <laughs> making the playoffs and having a Stanley Cup playoff game inside Arizona State University? People would lose their freaking mind about it. My thing is, they were trying to sell like season tickets like it was an NHL arena. Like, I'm talking like pricing wise, it was still pretty stiff. And I'm like, who's buying these tickets? I, I mean, unless you got some really loyal Coyote fans, which I'm sure there are, man, that, that is difficult, difficult to swallow. But guess what? I'm really interested in this game. I'm probably going to try to watch it online just to see what the crowd looks like. I want to see what the camera angles are going to look like. I mean, it's like such a small arena. Like, who knows? Who knows? It's just going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to look weird. Like uh, when we were doing the COVID games with empty fans, like there was nobody in the arena. You could hear every. You could hear people swearing on the ice. You could hear the puck loud and crystal clear. It's going to be unique to see uh, games at Arizona State. I had actually forgotten about that, Kyle, until you brought it up. So thank you for reminding me of the misery that is Arizona at the moment. Oh, you're welcome. It's even better because it's like one of our own Connor Ingram is going to be like in there. I'm like, this is great. Like I'm with you, Daniel. I want to watch this first game at least to see what it's like. Because you just imagine all the other teams that's going to be on their circle and they're going to be like, we're going to be playing there. We're going to be playing in this place. Some of these places are like, we're going back to college, basically. Because not only have they had to make renovations, like they had to basically agree to build NHL caliber facilities for ASU that they get to keep. If they get a new stadium, they get to keep it. And there was a whole controversy about their logo. Coyotes wanted to put their logo on the ice. ASU said, no, this is a ASU arena first and foremost. You're basically renting it from us. So they came to some agreement I heard that said that they're going to do a compromise and both of their logos are going to be on the ice at the same time. I'm like, I know Batman is all about not wanting to give up on the Arizona market. But at one point, is it just a mockery more than anything? Well, I, I think it would help out if they didn't suck every year. Like, <laughs> if they could make the playoffs for once, then you'd start getting – who cares about the fan base? You can get – like, it's a, it has nothing to do with how well the players play. Get a good coach in there. Get some, get some talent in there. Maybe make the playoffs once every 20 years. Then we can talk about keeping the team around. Bro, it's so savage. But uh, And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw this – photo on Twitter circulating around and somebody was like, this is an NHL locker room. And it was the ASU locker room that they had made for the Coyotes. And it literally looked like a broom closet. Like there's like cinder blocks and they had like, it looked like they'd walked in and they were like, hmm, let's put some paint up right over here. And they just painted this one section and they had like the blade skate. I I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like, are we at this point? Like, I don't know if that was true or not. 
Hey, please pardon the construction, okay? But it did look like all the Coyotes jerseys were like hanging in the locker room. So either it was a really good Photoshop job or they're literally in a broom closet and, you know, it's like Harry Potter underneath the steps. Like they just got them shoved in there and they're like, well, have fun, guys, and you can come out and... Yeah, it, it literally looked like it was under renovation. So it, it's it's very interesting look. I'll say that for an NHL club. You know, I asked my wife about it and she said, I don't understand why they didn't just go up north. Like to the northeastern states or Canada. There's so many arenas up there that would love to host them and probably have better quality facilities than ASU has. And I'm kind of agreement with that. There's probably middle schools that have better hockey facilities in Canada. I mean, I'm just being honest. I I, I don't know. It's just funny to me just seeing all the, the stuff coming out about them. So hopefully by then they've slapped on a couple of logos and some extra paint and, and you know, spruce up the facilities a little bit in the desert there to to make suit for a professional team. Well, it has nothing to do with Coyotes, but we're talking about the locker rooms that made me think of it. A couple days ago, I saw, it was one of the first games of the season where uh, Marc-Andre Fleury was in town in Pittsburgh, and, uh, you know, him and uh, your boy Crosby are best friends, so he went in his locker room and taped up all his gear, all his jersey, all his kit, into this big tape ball and then stuck it in his locker and they had media like filming Crosby to see what he would say and all that because they, they're jokes and they're like, uh, he's like a prankster and they goes way back. So I was watching the clips of that the other day, how Flurry got him. I think he stuck like bubble gum in his, in his uh, gloves. That way he would be sticky everywhere. So their antics go back far and wide. So that was at least good to see. Light, uh, light, make it lighthearted to start the year off. So I want to ask you a quick, you're talking about Mark Andre Flurry and just, off the cuff, do you think we're starting to see the decline of Mark Andre Fleury? Because, Heresy. well, okay, I mean, he's a valid question. He was he's been on the Penguins for years, has Stanley Cups to his name, goes to Vegas, literally is their show opener piece for Vegas, and now he's with the Wild and for free got traded for nothing yeah, for free. Way. So is this is this the start of his decline? Uh, I will say this, um, and I forgot to mention it. That I was shocked, obviously, that Buffalo was doing so well. I'm, you know, kind of shocked at Detroit. But who I'm shocked at is that is doing absolute pure garbage is the Minnesota Wild. And I'm glad you brought this up because they currently have a .3 win percentage. They're 1-3-1 to start the season. And I thought they were going to be probably in cahoots for second or third in the Central Division because they were very stout last year. I don't know what has happened, but defensively, they cannot seal off a game either. They're having very similar problems to the Preds uh, right now. But I, I know even Flurry made uh, a comment, I think it was the other night, about it. And he said, I'd be upset too because he's just like, this is unacceptable. Like, uh, multiple wild players are very frustrated right now. I can find it. Oh, yeah. It was Zuccarello and Flurry had the comments. So um, he says, sometimes we play defense like we're a, a freaking junior team. That was Zuccarello, and then it says, I don't blame them. I'd boo myself. I feel bad for the fans. I feel bad for my teammates. That was a quote from Mark andre Fleury. It's, it's pretty bad right now in Minnesota, but uh, they just had high expectations coming into the year. Well, you know, we'll see how it pans out, but as, as far as the Fleury situation, I think he's got a couple more, maybe two or three, you know, I was actually talking with my wife about it. You know how we talk about the big three in tennis. You're either a fan of Djokovic, Nadal, or Federer. Well, in the hockey goalie world, you're either a fan of Lundqvist, Carey Price, 
or Marc-Andre Fleury. And if you look at their three as being the big three of the dynasty, Lundqvist retired a year or two ago due to health reasons. He had an issue with his heart, had a big surgery or something. So you look at Carey Price, who just went into alcohol rehabilitation, I think it was last year. He come back, and as a matter of fact, just today or yesterday said he had no plans for retirement. But it begs the question, his talent level at an increased age, can he bounce back after having an extended period of time off? So that's yet to be seen, but I would venture to say he's done within three years for sure. Now, Marc-Andre Fleury kind of is in the same ballpark. On the decline, he got traded for nothing. But the year prior, he won the Vezina. So he's still got some high-level talent. I'll call him glimpses of talent. He's, he is waning in his older years, but he is still a bargain. But I still think that he's probably done within three years as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. I feel like we're on the cusp of seeing a lot of great players simply just hit that decline, hang it up, and we're going to see the brand new crop of players come up. And it's also, it's a bittersweet because you, you hate to see it, but then you're excited to see like the new players that are coming up. Seeing Saros come up, you know, trying to be one of the better, one of the, I think, be one of the best goalies, be on the level that Pecorine was at. Um, you got young stars like, we'll say, Preds, Luke Evangelista, who's looking great in Milwaukee. And then all the other young talent, you got the Connor McDavid's, the Austin Matthews. All those players that are still in their prime coming up. Speaking of which, I will say if there's one reason that Gary Bettman will not call Arizona a failure, it's because it got him um, uh, Connor McDavid. No, sorry, Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews. Oh, that's right. Austin Matthews yeah. is from Arizona, and that's why. And that's one of the best players out there right now. And I don't think no matter what happens to Arizona, he'll never call it a failure because of that. Yeah, they're they're branding Austin is more like the face of the league right now because Connor. Is just a stick in the mud. Let's just be honest. Like Connor's not a very um, how would you say like high personality type of person like PK Subban. Like you know, like they want somebody like that who has the talent of Connor, and they just haven't gotten it yet. Uh, Austin's a little bit more. He's still quiet and more reserved, but um, definitely more of like a a, a personality than uh, Connor McDavid. So yeah, I, I could see that being a big win coming from Arizona, but the team itself, you can't call the team right now a win for any reason. I mean, there's nothing good about transferring to a college to play your sport or like a professional sport. So, I will say a side note, something you said reminded me, P.K. Suvin retired, and I feel like he's going to go in the broadcast world, and John Tortorella left the broadcast world, has now coached Philadelphia Flyers, and he's turning them around, looks like. Yeah, Tortorella is awesome. I feel like he was already the coach for the Flyers in a couple of years ago. No, it was Jackets. Well, yeah, was but I'm talking ja- earlier in his tenure. I can't remember exactly. I don't think so. But Maybe either not. way, it was great to see him back because I love him. And he's he's very much a loud and boisterous, like in-your-face type of coach. I think he fits very well yes. in with Philly. Like yes. That's like the perfect market for him, I feel like. And he's coming there, uh, whip some tails. And they've turned it around, and they look pretty good to start the season. I don't know if they'll like pan out that well because I still think their roster is pretty garbage. But the one thing that Torts is really good at is getting people to run through a brick wall for those first couple years. He's very much like a a um, good lord, um, not Trots, but um, Laviette. Laviette, yeah, he has the same similar thing where like Lavi comes in the first couple years, great success, and then it kind of tails off afterwards. Uh, I feel like he was the perfect pick to try to get that 
Philadelphia Flyers organization kickstarted again. Uh, we'll see where they end up, but PK is going to be just fine. He's going to make literally, I think his deal with the network was like more money than what he was going to make even like during the season or something with his contract. Cause he was already like about to take a major pay reduction because he had just come off of his large contract. So it, it made sense for him just to do that, not have to take the wear and tear and he'll be a great commentator and uh, we'll just enjoy it and he'll make his millions doing other stuff. So. And so Matt, we're getting ready to close the show down. I asked you to get some stats for us, as always. Did you deliver? Oh, always, Kyle. You know me. I'm 100% delivery. But I'll tell you what, we're still early in the season, so there's not much we haven't spoke of uh, other than I'll mention, we already mentioned him one time, but Ovechkin now uh, pass Brett Hole for multi-goal games and now only trails Wayne Gretzky in the multi-goal category. So Wow. He's our, he's always in our stat sheet about every week, so he's starting starting out the season hot for Ovechkin. That's crazy. I know we don't have a lot, but I mean, I'm sure we'll uh, see several more records broken by him this year. I, I feel like this is the year that he passes a lot of like all time records too, and then he'll be in top two goals. So it's gonna be interesting to see where he ends up. So what games we got coming up, Dan? All right. Well, for the Preds, like I was saying, we're kind of like in a weird, awkward break. We had like four days off I think in between games because it was Philly and then St. Louis is on the 27th and then we have Washington on the 29th uh, followed up by Edmonton Calgary and Vancouver so this schedule does not get any easier like moving forward like St. Louis is undefeated Washington's good the Oilers are good the Flames are definitely good so finally like towards the end there you're gonna have Vancouver but like I said Preds Twitter might be in an uprage after these next four games. So we'll kind of see where we're at, but I'm not going to be too upset if we have like at least two more L's in the, in the column over the next four games. And well, guys, that's the show for the day. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like the show, you can find us on Twitter at music city gold and be sure to follow us also on penalty box radio. And if you like videos, we're on YouTube, follow us at music city gold on YouTube until next time. We will see you guys on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.